Hello there, woman beings. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Woman Being Podcast. Hello. I'm here today <laughs> with Kellyanne and Kelly and also the lovely Rebecca Larabardier. She is a sex and relationship coach, and she is going to dive into the nitty-gritty of sex and everything that comes along with it. So we're really stoked to talk to her today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Woman Being Podcast community, where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. All right, so we are here today with Rebecca. Thank you for being here, first of all. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Our pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> our pleasure to talk about our pleasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are we going to make dumb jokes like this the whole time? Yes. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, to start out, uh, we would love to hear a little bit about how you got into the field of sex and relationship coaching. What drew you to that? Why Why are you doing this? <laughs> okay. So I get that question often because you don't find too many sex coaches. Yeah. And so for me, it was pretty much my honeymoon. <laughs> um, because we, I grew up, did everything right and pure to the extreme. Because if I'm going to be pure, I'm going to be the purest. Mm-hmm. I will be the most whatever. Yeah. And... Uh, on our honeymoon, I anticipated the fireworks, the perfect God blessing it, and it's going to be amazing. And not to say that God didn't bless it, but sometimes we have to partner with God and have information, be taught, have a skill set, yeah. and not just sit and wait back, wait and say, okay, God, you do this, and I'll show up. That doesn't, that's not a great partner. So um, after our honeymoon, I decided... It's my job to start educating people. I'm one of five girls. We're youth leaders. And anyone that was going to get married, I was like, let's let's talk. Mm. And I'd talk whatever they needed. And kind of going after that because realizing I didn't have all of the information that I wanted, needed to thrive, that sent me on this trajectory mm. to be able to help myself and everyone else. And so that's a very short version of how and why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that oh. sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I feel like that's a very common mm-hmm. story, unfortunately, especially in Christian conservative communities where it's only abstinence yeah. teaching. And mm-hmm. if you and if it's abstinence, then you don't need to know anything. Right. And no one is taking the responsibility. Because if you know... You might not wait. Yeah, yeah. and then for and some you'll reason lust. Yeah. you'll mm-hmm. lust. And I think you really, I loved what you said when we met earlier this week. You said typically purity is confused with ignorance. Was it that? Mm-hmm. And or innocence. Innocence, innocence. Is, confused innocence ignorance. is confused with ignorance. Yes. I feel like that's something we see a lot in church culture. Um but what are some of the most common issues that you see women walking into your office with? Or maybe not issues, maybe 
obstacles, opportunities to educate themselves. (laughs) So we've got a wide gambit. Um, Some of them is they just have no desire anymore or they never really did and now they have children and now it's just a chore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I get quite a bit of that. I get others that because they grew up in the purity culture, which the heart behind the purity culture, I believe, was for people. Mm-hmm. And it, like, the heart was gold. Mm-hmm. The mechanism to getting there and the way that people were treated in that is very detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get a lot of women coming out of that, and even men just trying to embrace their sexuality, their their femininity, because everything for women is supposed to be shut down. Mm-hmm. Right? So shut down your emotions, you're too much, you're this, you're that. And so we shut it all down to be able to fit in a man's world. And mm. when we fit in the man's world, we become task-oriented instead of relationship-oriented. And everything needs to be measurable on my to-do list, mm-hmm. which is very masculine. And there's nothing wrong with it until we shut off our feminine side, which is our balance. And when we don't embrace all of us, we will never be able to have the thriving sex life we long for because it requires you to be fully you. Mm. So did that answer the question? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I would love to hear, if you can, share like a bit more about specific like issues or like those like what what causes people to even want to go to sex therapy or or sex coaching you know like there's there's people who like have the lack of desire Mm -hmm. um things are becoming a chore uh what are some of the other things that you see um potentially not having had intercourse Mm -hmm. after multiple years of marriage um they'll come see me for that Mm -hmm. um just not connecting with their spouse and have no they're to a point where if something doesn't change and ultimately their sex life is the reason um but if something doesn't change we're not going to work um but we use sex as a means to an end so okay if we want to talk about sex, we have to talk about the trust issue, the intimacy, mm-hmm. the, you know, your your perspective of your body. Because we will only allow someone to love us to the extent that we love ourselves. And if I think I'm not attractive, but my husband's telling me, I will invalidate everything he tells me mm-hmm. because you're crazy because it doesn't line up with my belief. And so rewiring neural pathways and your belief system and figuring out because everyone will come in with an excuse, a reason as to why it's been okay. Mm -hmm. And so it boils down to they're all excuses. Mm -hmm. Why are you not thriving? Why are you not where you want to be? And it's being willing to put in the work. And oftentimes it's the soul searching. And Mm -hmm. that's what brings people in. Okay. You can get us where we've been unwilling to go. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like sex life is kind of like your symptomatic. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
perp- but there's always like the d- deeper stuff underneath. Yeah, all of that. that and I do have through. I do have a few people that come for technique because uh, we are the little teaching that we are given. It's very linear. Yes, mm-hmm. back and forth. Which sex is not? Mm-hmm. Sex is fluid and it's full body and it circles and it's roundabout and so one of the here I'll give you a tip yeah I'll tell people I was like okay so when if you're on top sit and write coconut with your hips instead of going back and forth you're sitting there because you then get all of your all the movement on mm. all the parts mm. instead of just like back and forth. Yeah. Like now you've got like the sides, you're you're kind of hitting yeah. the whole clitoris and all the legs that are internal, not just the external one. Uh-huh. And so it's very easy, very practical, but people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so Realizing there's more to just like, even just yeah. what like media has told yeah. them sure. that yeah. looks yeah. like. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have sure. to file that. Yeah. Be like, James? <laughs> Later, later. Let's try the coconut. Let's try the coconut. (laughs) You can pick any word, but that's just yeah. I have a follow up question. Mm -hmm. So you you said like women, we we shut down our bodies, Mm -hmm. and I've done um, some inner healing work and some body movement practices to try and loosen some of those things up. And but my question is. how, what are ways that that manifests for women? Um, I've heard, like, women tend to store trauma in their mm-hmm. hips. Um, yeah. We are seeing uh, medical conditions now, like vaginismus. Mm-hmm. But, like, what are some other ways that you, women can commonly manifest shutting down their body, their sexuality, oh, and their emotions? Your libido from stress is gone Mm. if you don't feel safe and whether that's emotional whatever financially anything your body goes into fight or flight mode Mm. and your sexual organs are not um, necessary to keep you alive and Mm. so all your blood flow goes to all of the other essential organs and so when you're stressed that's part of the reason Mm. you're not into it. Not yeah. into it. It's because That's fascinating. I, I, like fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like when I took a course on uh, fertility awareness, medical mm-hmm. management, and they talked about like your body in stress actually won't let you get pregnant, mm-hmm. and that so that makes a lot of sense yeah. because your your blood flow is like other places yeah. like i'm yeah. prioritizing other things like yeah. we gotta survive yeah. right now we do not yeah. have time it is for not a baby. time to make a baby <laughs> yeah. yeah but then like in like extreme situations i've heard that sort of the sex drive can pick up because it's like if we don't reproduce the human race will die and your body is that real so so that's it <laughs> like COVID that's baby slightly <laughs> well covid baby syndrome is we are bored <laughs> <laughs> what, what else do we have we've, to do? We've watched all of the shows. <laughs> now what? And I see you a lot. So sure. um, that made accessibility. Right. It ups your chances. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, but reproducing the earth because there's a like major, like I've heard during pandemic. wartime. Yeah. Or after wartime? No, I guess, yeah, the baby boom happened mm-hmm. after the war. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. All the men came back. back. All the men yeah. came home <laughs> and... 
you know, yeah, here I am. I mean, I imagine, I don't know how much of it is scientific and how much of it is like, well, the men were gone, <laughs> now they're back, back. and yeah. we're like, let's start the family, you yeah. know, like all these women were here holding down the fort and now they're like, let's go. Mm. Which, yeah. that makes me curious because of COVID and everything being shut down, are intimacy levels, are intimacy issues increasing because now people are home? And so they're with their people all the time. And so I feel like issues might come more to the surface mm-hmm. or like we're seeing like people are being more intimate and, yeah. you know, making that more of a priority because people have time. Yep. Yeah. So you you have your extremes on both sides. Mm-hmm. And it is very much like some people took this opportunity as an as an opportunity like like it is like okay great I get to work on us mm-hmm. I get to have more time with you mm-hmm. yeah instead of the others they're like what can I do I can't stand you okay we're done because mm-hmm. they don't know how to engage with each other on a friendship level mm-hmm. yeah so- I imagine that it, it exposes the cracks and mm-hmm. also yeah. the the good things within relationships. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in such an intense quarantine mm-hmm. with only one another, like if there were things that were breaking that you were ignoring because you were busy, yeah, then those things are gonna they're yeah. gonna finally break yeah. if if you don't have the tools to to work through that. Mm-hmm. Well, and definitely like stress, as you mentioned, plays a huge role, and like busyness plays a huge role. But what what would you say are the greatest barriers to intimacy and connection with couples as they like try to have a healthy sex life or are working towards a healthy sex life so some of the biggest hang-ups would be time and intentionality i would say time is a choice so is intentionality but it's when you're dating you have all the time in the world and you have my undivided attention yeah and once you get married you you forget that you have to keep wooing each other. Mm-hmm. You you have to stay curious because when you are dating, you're curious. You ask all the questions. Tell me everything. I want to know your favorite color, your favorite food. You know, I love how your hair does this. Whatever it may be, you notice and care about everything. When you get married, you keep each other in this box and this is where you stay. And it doesn't leave you room to grow or change, which makes things uncomfortable then because that's not who I married Mm. in reality it is who you married you just had the pretty package because many people don't allow the growth and the change in themselves or the other Mm. yeah I think that sometimes people get into the the thought that the person that they married is going to stay the same the whole time and they're not going to grow and change together. And um, it actually reminds me of a conversation that we had in a recent episode talking about relationships with family members mm-hmm. and um, sort of tensions within that. And I think that with family, it's easy to put your family members into a box Absolutely. and say, well, you're this yep. because you were this when we were little or mm-hmm. you were this when I was growing up mm-hmm. or whatever. And so when you marry someone, they're they're your family now. They mm-hmm. are connected to you and they've committed to you. And so I think that there's that same idea of like, well, you are this because this is what you were before. So yeah. this is what you'll always be. Mm-hmm. But people are so fluid and they change and they grow and mm, yeah. mature. And yeah, I actually, that's interesting you say that because my husband... He'll say, like, 
oh, I I went into this marriage thinking like I had found you and you were who were you you were gonna be. And you I had come into the marriage thinking he would like grow and change and that like we would both become better versions of ourselves throughout time. And I think, like, when we got married, he was just overwhelmed with how much I was changing and growing. And to be fair, I was, like, 18 years old, so <laughs> I had a lot of growing and changing to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and he was also very young, 20, you know, he's growing too. But And then I was surprised that he wasn't, like, necessarily pursuing change in the, in the ways mm-hmm. that I was. And we were kind of like, what are you doing and what are you doing? And so <laughs> it's been, like, an interesting experience of, like, growing together and learning the new person and and he has grown he's just not it's just we've done it in different it's ways different. Yeah. yeah and so you know managing expectations for sure oh yeah <laughs> and you know loving each other in the midst of you know awkward growing pains and mm-hmm. awkwardness it's yeah. just all awkward in general yeah i Absolutely. mean it's definitely a process i actually had the opposite thing because i feel like in christian culture there's so much pressure on are you equally yoked mm. yep are you like just the all right that, person all that, that god aside, has laid out for mm-hmm. you exactly <laughs> and i'm like well if this is the person that i'm choosing forever i have to make sure me and my husband dated for four years which mm-hmm. was good for us. Yeah. But, um, and I think I put so much pressure on the, you will you will never change. Oh. And it's like, and now on the other side of marriage, undoing that almost anxiety of fear right. of growth and change because I am radically different mm-hmm. from when we first got married. And so is James. And that's actually brought new life into mm-hmm. our marriage and our relationship because there is kind of a constant discovery. Mm-hmm. But yep. if you don't create that space, it's almost like a codependency mm-hmm. of like you can't change or like you shouldn't. Yeah. And like when you allow that, there is this new discovery that I feel like goes on. That's interesting because the tension for me was, no, I have to keep like growing into this like, mm-hmm. you know, super righteous human, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I'm ascending into, you know. Perfection. Perfect, well, not perfection, eventually. sanctification, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm ascending to my sanctification and we must both be on this like trajectory together. And, but I mean, the journey is different and the the mm-hmm. speed is different and the areas of growth are different and equally yoked mm-hmm. I think oftentimes gets translated to like the same person with the same values yes yeah. but like equally yoked to me means like complementary yeah that we both have different strengths that we bring to the table you know mm-hmm. and now it means that to me now mm-hmm. <laughs> after seven totally. years of marriage and like learning mm-hmm. and understanding this other person that you know I'm connected to mm-hmm. forever yeah. so yeah Anyways, I actually, just to, like, switch gears back, because I wanted to go back to our conversation more about, like, young married women entering into the marriage bed, Mm -hmm. figuring out their sexuality. When I first got married, it took us a long time to figure out the orgasm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, like, we did a ton of research online, and, like, we bought books, and we, like, we worked really hard on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember reading so many articles and like books that were just like, yeah, most women just don't orgasm. And I, like that was kind of how sex was set up for me in a lot of literature and things like that is like, yep, some, some women don't and it's normal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was good in like dispelling the shame of not having the most amazing sex life right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, like, 
now that I'm older and we've been married for a while, I'm like, that's actually kind of sad that that is the norm. And I wondered if you have had thoughts on that. Like, should that be the norm? Like, why is that such a pan? I want to like that's a pandemic. That's a problem for female sexuality mm-hmm. as a whole. I would say. So my thought is that as long as you have the parts, there is no reason that you are not able to. Let me put an asterisk. <laughs> um, it is a a learned skill set. Some people come by it a little more naturally than others, like an artist. Some people have to work at it. Some people, it just flows. Mm-hmm. I think an orgasm is very similar. We also base our experience of an orgasm like a man's, where yeah. it spikes and plummets. Ours are vastly different, but we actually have to learn how to have an orgasm. And they can be extended, they can be multiple, but it takes time, energy, and effort to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's people with trauma, there's stuff in your head that blocks everything down here, mm-hmm. so then yeah. you're not going to. Um, there's a lot of shame around it, there's a lot of guilt, there's preconceived ideas, there's control issues, there's... You name it, yeah. There, there are obstacles to be overcome, but so far, I believe that as long as you have the parts, you can have an orgasm. It's possible, people, <laughs> ladies. Yes. Just like forget those articles <laughs> that tell you you can't orgasm because you can. <laughs> it's possible. Might need some work, but that's okay. It's worth it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that people probably get in their heads that, like, if something doesn't work one way, then it's not going to work mm-hmm. any way at all. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, sex is something that is so, like, a vast thing. Like, there's yeah. so many, like, ways to have sex. There's so yeah. many aspects of sex and sexuality and, like, the sexual experience. And so, mm-hmm. like, for to to say, like, definitively you cannot orgasm right seems very limiting on something that is so expansive Mm -hmm. um and it i think that especially in christian culture a lot of it probably stems from the idea that you can't talk about it and also that sex in a lot of christian spheres is more a duty than Mm -hmm. a a, a time for intimacy and yeah. connection. Be and... fruitful and multiply. Well, yeah. and I don't think I don't think we like talking about pleasure in the church either. Like no. I don't think happiness or like pleasurable experiences are something that we have indoctrinated. Oh no, because well, it's it's the whole poverty mindset, and so if you want to be um, great in God's kingdom, you're a servant of all, which does not include pleasure. Um, and to be the least of these and, you know, you give everything away. It's not about you. Mm. And so we grow up in that culture already believing that our sexuality belongs to our husbands. It's not ours. And so now let's add the pleasure element, which doesn't even cross many women's grids because it was never an option. Mm-hmm. Mm. My and sexuality was, is not mine. My yeah. pleasure is not mine. It was so enforced for that to be just like stamped out. 
Mm-hmm. And so how do you access something that you've neglected for so long? You didn't know it was there. Yeah. 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 Well, I think even like I went into marriage with the expectation that I'm going to be the sexiest wife. We're going to have sex every night. It's going to twice a day. Even You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea, but I was like, I'm determined. <laughs> but like you actually can't like determine yourself into a ple- pleasurable sexual experience. I've learned you actually have to relax and like yeah. enjoy the moment and not, yeah. it's not just like a task to be done. No. So mm-hmm. I figured that out, but went into that with all these expectations and then it didn't work right away. It was actually kind of painful the first time. And painful the next few times and our honeymoon was kind of a mess a weird awkward beautiful mess and I felt like it took me a lot of time after that to get over like the fear of an unhappy Mm -hmm. experience because sometimes it was like sometimes we have a better time and sometimes but it's like I never really fully landed and then I started getting UTIs and like that wasn't like creating a positive we just had sex and now I'm sick kind of thing so yeah uh, definitely like overcoming that like fear and like some of the I don't want to say trauma because that seems a little extreme but like you know trying to figure it out and it's like take my advice for any married couples who are as determined as I was is take it slow (laughs) you've got to relax a little don't let yourself heal bunch of new positions on day two like yeah. I did oh yeah it was a mistake no and I was like oh this is just uncomfortable and pokey and I don't I want to stop we were like a different position every day <laughs> we got to try something new every time because that's what apparently you do on honeymoons but it's like yeah. just like take it slow like you're learning it's a learning process so anyways that's yeah. just a little nugget from Kelly Werner you're welcome <laughs> and that's the hard thing for a lot of people they go in and disappointment derails you Mm. and there's nothing wrong with an expectation but it needs to be realistic and very few of us had someone say hey let's be realistic here Mm -hmm. this could happen and I actually probably had someone and I totally didn't listen (laughs) I was like I'm gonna be the exception to the rule yeah Yeah. um and it wasn't yeah (laughs) well and that was part of the the Mm -hmm. thing is that I waited I wore my Virginity Rocks t-shirt. I believed in the pure mindset. You know what I mean? And to me, that meant I was going to have the sec- best sex life ever. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, super disappointing when we got and there. And you we're still like, might. No, I think I do now. But and, at the time, yeah. it was like, ugh, like everything's falling yeah. apart. But the funny thing with that is we all think that it's going to be perfect on the wedding night instead of, oh, I have a lifetime to perfect it. And if you perfected it. Or we well, had perfected that, it <laughs> on on our honeymoon. The rest of our life is going to be boring, mm-hmm. right? Totally. And so it's it's the process and the journey to get there that mm-hmm. actually makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so lowering the stakes, yeah. but always engaging. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a big part in building that marriage relationship. It's not just learning how to communicate, how to manage your finances together, Mm -hmm. how many kids do we want. It's also how do we navigate the marriage bed? How Mm -hmm. do we how do we have sex? How do we feel good with this? How do we communicate in that realm as well? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so, Rebecca, you are not just a sex coach extraordinaire, but also a Christian. I am. And so you have seen firsthand the ways that um, things like purity culture and the church's mindset around sex have impacted women um, and men have impacted Mm -hmm. 
so a gen a generation really Mm -hmm. it feels like and so um i think a lot of the purity culture that we see from the church uh comes as a reaction to sexualization and popular media Mm, yeah uh and so i'd love to hear some of your thoughts about uh how the church has reacted and maybe even some about the ways that culture portrays sex and sexuality uh Okay, so I'm going to do backstory. Yeah, do it. Please, yeah. <laughs> um, so my whole, the whole thing with the purity movement in reaction to, the reaction part is what always gets me. I, I am not a procrastinator. Whenever I was in school, I'd get an assignment. It's done the next day. I don't, even if I have two weeks, it's done. <laughs> And wow. um, it's one of those things that I don't don't want to miss out on something because I haven't prepared. Mm. Or if something comes up, I'm free because I can. And the, re- the reaction that we do instead is like, hey, you want to go hang out? And you're like, no, I have this paper. Now you, you backtrack and you can't do what you want to do because of the reaction. And so if you can, ultimately, that whole story is, if you build a foundation that has information that is beneficial and use it as a tool opposed to a control, because ultimately, church is, the heart is there, but they use fear and control Mm -hmm. to get what they want, to keep us pure, to keep us right to stay in line yeah. it's fear and control it's not about the relationship even though at times they say it's it's all about the relationship mm-hmm. they want their convictions to become our convictions and so when we are unwilling to they, they spoon feed us and this is what it is and this is what i believe and then we go out into the world yeah and there's so much out there and no one's controlling me and so then we get to do all these things because you've never been given the information that you actually need to stay pure mm. because they weren't they weren't keeping you pure they were keeping you naive yeah. they were keeping oh. you in a box in a bubble so that they didn't have to ask themselves the questions mm. so they didn't actually have to deal with the awkwardness mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and so as long as I can control you here you don't have to worry about anything here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there, the time comes when you get to react, which is the detrimental part. Mm-hmm. Time yeah. back around. The reaction. And so if we give information at the appropriate time, inform with real information mm-hmm. that's beneficial and it's all about the appropriate time. You will stay pure. You will stay innocent with all this information if it is given in a way that actually protects you and sets you up for success. Mm-hmm. Opposed to, I'm protecting you so I keep you locked in a box. Yeah. Well, I feel like the mindset is so often like, this may, you know, like, I'm putting fear in you now mm-hmm. to give, like, to benefit you later. But I think what we're learning now that like this whole generation of children who grew up in purity culture are mm-hmm. speaking out is that 
the fruit of that fear has been like unhappy sex marriages, especially mm-hmm. in women, like um, vaginismus, messed up lack, pelvic floors, right? And, lack of education yeah. about sex as a whole, mm-hmm. people, you know, not knowing what a yeast infection is or not, you know, like, or and having like, serious, not even knowing how to put on a condom. Right. And so if like our mindset is like, I'm going to harm you now for the benefit of your future, like that seems like backwards thinking. And I think as we look at the, you know, trail of destruction that we left, we can pretty easily say like, hmm, something needs to be changed. Like we have to reconsider the way we're doing this because it's actually not helping our Christians have happy, healthy marriages. Mm -hmm. It's creating like fear like that fear that we put put in you then is still there in the bedroom now mm-hmm. and yes. that's not that's not the kind of marriages that we want our congregation to have that like christians should be having the best sex yeah we yes. should i agree <laughs> <laughs> but it's it goes with what's modeled to us so you grow up with hypothetically two parents that are not affectionate mom does this these things she's not really a wife she's a mother and she doesn't have a social life and there's no attraction between mom and dad anymore and so the desire for marriage the way that it was modeled is not what you want all the fun in movies or whatever is in the dating and engagement and the wedding day and so this is where yeah and so we put in so much time energy and effort there because after that, you know, it's a ball and chain and all of these horrible perspectives that people keep perpetuating. Mm-hmm. And so one of my thing is things is I really encourage couples. I was like, I don't care if you're a physically affectionate person. Like, what do you want to model to your children? You're not having sex in front of them, but you are affectionate. Like you'll rub each other's mm-hmm. back or shoulder, come up behind them, show them that you actually love each other and that you still have fun yeah. because otherwise it's modeled that once I get married, the fun is over. Mm-hmm. And so we have sex beforehand because at least it'll be fun. And then afterwards, it's no it's good. It's been an obligation, yeah. a duty. And yeah. so, so just shifting the perspectives of, what do we really want to model? And if I'm not enough to change it, I'll change it for my children because I don't want them in a marriage like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that example really can be so impactful. And just one thing, that wasn't yeah. my parents. <laughs> my parents were affectionate. In case That's they amazing. listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I I grew up... Uh, in a divorced home so Mm -hmm. I didn't obviously my parents were not affectionate (laughs) to one another because they were divorced Um, and I didn't really have examples of like good marriages Mm -hmm. until I was in high school and I started going to friends houses whose parents were Christians um, and seeing their example and I actually have a very vivid memory of a friend of mine's parents in their kitchen like one of them had just come home and they just started dancing together in the kitchen Mm -hmm. to no music at all they were just so excited like that they were together again and I looked at them and I was like this is beautiful and this is something that I would want to like this is possible for me because I just saw examples of divorce over and over again Mm -hmm. um but like that's a huge impact um 
on a child yeah. uh, is is to see the the love and actual um, a real cultivation of that love that that maybe starts in privacy but like it's it's such a big love mm-hmm. that it, that it pours over into everything yeah. else and mm-hmm. so your kids are going to see it and your kids friends are going to see it and your friends who come over are going to see it and stuff and mm-hmm. so I think that's super valuable and um that also helps to like you're saying like break chains of of what the example mm-hmm. was given was um because when I was little I always told my friends that I was going to get divorced one day because everyone in my family was divorced. So I was like, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so those examples get carried on, um, even if you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you said, too, about um, if I use fear and control, then it's mm-hmm. to protect you. But purity without a choice involved isn't necessarily purity. Mm-mm. Like, and we see that in the Garden of Eden. Like, God said, like, don't eat this tree. Um, it will, you know, it will, the day you eat it, you'll die, or paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> but Kelly said in one episode, she's like, God didn't say he couldn't, you couldn't look at the tree. God mm-hmm. said you couldn't touch the tree. God said didn't say you couldn't smell the tree. Like, and God gave the choice. Yeah. And I think that's so important. But we, in purity culture, we, you know, put a fence up. And well, then it's the we... whole flee temptation. Yes. And then you have a culture that doesn't know how to manage themselves because they've never had to teach themselves or mm-hmm. manage themselves because, well, I'm being tempted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yes, there's a difference in fleeing temptation and looking at head on and saying, okay, what am I going to do about this? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, with talking about, you know, fear, control, you know, God said don't eat the fruit, so we're not going to look at it or touch it and we're going to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, With that mindset, we've obviously seen it's not working. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been working. Um, But how do we we start cultivating a healthy conversation in church and Christian culture – about sex because we kind of we've there have been some sad attempts yeah Yeah. how do we actually move towards something better that actually is effective so ultimately like off the top of my head is you've got to start small like find your people and start not you don't want to do a soapbox thing or Mm -hmm. this is a cause because you want to keep it fluid Mm -hmm. because Sexuality and conversations are going to be fluid. Mm. And and with that, there's this freedom that it brings that broaches the awkwardness mm. because it is awkward for a lot of people and it's taboo. And so when you create this fluid, free conversation around sex and sexuality that is not labeling it one thing or another, But cultivating curiosity is ultimately what you want to do in the church. And oftentimes curiosity in the church has not been encouraged because it's harder to control you if Mm -hmm. I let you ask questions. Mm -hmm. But um, ultimately, we've come to the point where it is all about relationship. And it's about our connection between ourself and spouse and ourself and God. And going forward, or even relationships, like, we are all sexual beings, 
period. There's nothing you can do about that. Like, you walk into a room and you are still a sexual being. Yeah. And so recognizing and owning it, like, it's it's calling this bottle green. It is. There's there's no taking the green away. Well, hypothetically. <laughs> you could, I'm sure. They'll bleach it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, that won't change. And so it's we're trying to pretend you walk in a room and say, I don't have a zit on my face. And you've got this huge zit. And it's pretending it's not there when it's there. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just allowing those conversations to be broached in a way that just says, hey, what do you think? And why do you think that? And, like, start a conversation that doesn't say, well, I don't agree with you. That's mm. a horrible idea. Mm. Like, oh, that's intriguing. Tell me more. And how did you come to that conclusion? Because my, my experience of it is so different. Mm. And, like allowing your perspective and your perspective and yours all to create a broader perspective and a picture that you all have a piece of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, do you think that we should like get our pastors to start preaching about sex from the pulpit? Like, should we make it normal within the church? What are your thoughts on something like that? That's a great question. <laughs> My initial thought is not a full sermon on sex because there could be a lot of things related to sex, but I don't want to sit in a room full of people, probably, and my pastor is telling me about, well, this orgasm, you know, and it's just like <laughs> very, maybe it'd be fine, but it, it, it would have to be tied into, okay, the trust issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, the intimacy issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not issues. The trust, the mm-hmm. intimacy, the control, the abuse, the trauma, the whatever. Mm-hmm. And not like, okay, let my pastor give me uh, technique <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Because yeah. Th- they're two different things. Like if you are a pastor is there to teach and guide you in your spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Yes, in normal everyday life, great example Mm -hmm. for you to see. Mm -hmm. But unless he's an expert, I don't... Or she. Or she. Yep, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If they, whoever they are, (laughs) um, is talking about sex, I I would want the backing because most pastors have some sort of schooling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a, what they're teaching. That's yeah. actually an interesting question because I feel like pastors, mostly males, do speak yeah. into um, sex a lot, I would say as a whole, especially youth pastors. But what you're oh, bringing what up, not to talk about. Right. What not to do. Yeah, what not to do. But oh, what yeah. you're bringing up too is like these people aren't sex experts. Yeah. These people haven't studied. Um, how to do sex they haven't studied abstinence mm-hmm. as a you know a practice or the effectiveness of it mm-hmm. or you know like so but there's sort of like this oh you're a pastor you're not an expert on all you have to be the expert on yeah. all things spirituality relationships etc and so we have all these main mostly white men mm-hmm. stepping up and telling everybody the whole congregation women included how to manage their sex drives when that's 
that's probably not that probably doesn't make sense at all like we need yeah. to be having like like if the church wants to foster healthy sex relationships in the church maybe they need to be bringing in people who mm-hmm. have that background and experience mm-hmm. to truly speak into that and it doesn't necessarily have to be like from the pulpit as a whole i would say like maybe sex Classes. could be less taboo as mm-hmm. a topic on the pulpit but what you brought up is very interesting that i had never thought about like we're all learning from a bunch of pastors mostly male who aren't sex experts yeah like let's just point that out like why are we like why are we addressing all of our like giving them all of our attention and all of our heat heatens heatens i think i think that's kind of the issue with pastoring in general there are a bunch of mostly guys (laughs) we'll just say that have gone to seminary which I grew up in the Methodist church, so I'm most familiar with the Methodist Mm -hmm. process. And they're spiritual leaders, but they haven't really studied spirituality. They've studied theology. So they have the knowledge to back up what they're saying. But now they're basically, they're smart people playing counselors. And they haven't necessarily studied emotional Mm -hmm. health or sexuality or all the real life things. And now I know there are exceptions to everything, Mm -hmm. but I think that's just my beef with pastoring in general. It's like you are a spiritual leader and someone to help influence pastor the flock, lead the flock, all the things, but that doesn't mean you're the expert. Well, it's learning to stay in your lane. Let's be honest. So I'm not, so I'm a sex and relationship coach. I'm not going to coach you on how to run your business mm-hmm. because that's that would not be beneficial. So I know who to send you to, mm-hmm. but, like, it's people trying to be more than they are mm. to create value for the people around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if you could stay in your lane, you would actually bring so much more value and creating a network of all the people you need. Like, yes. okay, and not this is what. People or and not, giving empty promises yeah. that you actually can't deliver on, essentially. Which is very detrimental. So, we've already been, de- it was already detrimental forcing the whole purity thing. And yes, I think purity is awesome. Yes. Detrimental. And now I'm trying to give you advice because that one didn't work, which is just as detrimental. Yeah. And like you get you get people that come kind of off topic, but um, and the husband struggles with porn and mm-hmm. the wife goes to the pastor and he tells her it's her fault because she's not giving him enough sex. And that's the biggest load of crap that I have ever mm-hmm. heard because he mm-hmm. came into the marriage with baggage. Mm-hmm. That was his issue then and it's still his issue now. And if she doesn't want to have sex with him because he broke her trust, that's that's a problem. Yeah. And yeah. no, just giving him sex is not going to fix this problem. Yeah. Well, it's like, sorry, broken trust doesn't equal super horny. That's not yeah. inter- that not interested. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and how many married married couples do like say they're having a sexual issue or there multiple mm-hmm. issues and sex is one of the symptoms of that or whatever? They go to their pastor's office, and their pastor gives them the best advice he can, and it's and probably for pretty them terrible. And sends them on their way. But yeah. It's like we need to normalize referrals. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That is my conclusion from this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I guess without all that being said, I'm curious, like, what would you say to the young married or the young about to be married woman um, when it comes to cultivating a healthy sex life in their marriage? Ooh, I have a course. Oh. Two months before and three months after marriage. Oh. To prep you. And then when things didn't end up like you anticipated, we walk through, you talking, we'll talk it out. And then you don't feel ashamed to tell people because what if they think I made a mistake? Which is very common. And you didn't make a mistake. And so the two months before, three months after is pivotal in not creating bad habits and patterns in your sex life and the way you think, the storyline you tell yourself about sex, your spouse, or did I do the wrong thing? Very cool. Wow. So, so people, <laughs> you don't have to come see me, but <laughs> tune in. You can go see Rebecca. You can take her course. Mm-hmm. But also, like, like overarching, like, what do you wish young women were being um, taught? And like, mm-hmm. what are the things you wish you knew or someone young would know ahead of time? So this will be controversial um, for many people. I would strongly encourage young girls to. Take ownership of their sexuality and figure themselves out. The best gift you can give your husband on your wedding night is say, hey, this is what I like. Know who you are and then give that to your husband on your wedding night. Yeah. And it'll be pretty hot and he'll think it's even more sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that there's always, I mean... You talk about it being almost like a gift to your husband on your wedding night. It's a gift to you too. (laughs) The gift that keeps on giving. Um, But like, I think it's also important to remember that if you don't have that, that you can still build from there, you know? Your Absolutely. wedding night might be messy and weird oh, and uncomfortable. Oh, it probably still won't be what you anticipate, which is why you yeah. get me three months after, the, yes. for the next three months. <laughs> totally. And so, like, there's there's so much room to grow, which we've talked about, like, already, is that there is a process. Yeah. You're not going to be this amazing sexual goddess, goddess <laughs> the moment that you sleep with your husband for the first time. And... Um, but you can, you can set yourself up in a position with what you're talking about of, of, of knowing yourself more, which knowing yourself in general is a, is a gift to Mm -hmm. your husband is, Mm -hmm. is going to build your relationship, knowing who you are, knowing, um, being your own person and having your own ownership over Mm -hmm. who you are and over your body. Yep is invaluable mm-hmm. because if you go into a marriage without that knowledge, you, they're going to be along for the ride of that figuring yeah. out even more. And so it sounds like it can make things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is like it's embracing the process, just like mm-hmm. you said, because you don't want to have arrived on your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want, you want things to look forward to, mm-hmm. but setting the expectation to something that's a little more realistic mm-hmm. and not setting up the whole youth group for failure on their wedding night because we didn't 
God, did we miss something? So I've, I've used this little analogy before. So God created all of us, right? And he created women with a clitoris. And the only purpose is pleasure. Like there is no other purpose and it's a gift. And so if he gave us a gift, why would we say it's bad? Mm. Yes, appropriate times. Yes. But it's it's kind of... Slapping God in the face would be my thought to be like, nope, it's all bad. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Because he, he wanted us to enjoy it. But if a woman realizes that she has power over her body, she is in control, men lose control. And you actually become a team and partners opposed to on the head. Yeah. And so let's, let's keep women here. Don't let them experience all the pleasure they can or know that they actually have the power to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's one of those things that is not talked about in the church because then they lose us because the fear is not going to hold us anymore. I think that there's, there's so much nuance within that. Um, and as the church loves to do so often, mm-hmm. they say a blanket answer. This yeah. is it. Mm-hmm. The end. And... Uh, that can be super harmful, especially when um, things like masturbation and watching porn and being sexual are very normalized for men. It's sort of mm-hmm. like boys will be boys. This is just yep. what they do. And like Not you women are going to just have to like repress as much as possible because you aren't sexual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you're going to get a husband who's addicted to porn because that's just what they do. And right. so you now have to satisfy that need for him. Which is also crazy to me, too, that we don't talk about that more in the church because I know plenty of women who have had porn or masturbation yep. challenges that they've had to work out in their life. And, like, that that feels like it's something that should be more normalized as well. Like, just throwing in that little side yeah. tangent. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I've talked with you ladies about this i grew up like fully believing that men had porn problems and women didn't and men Mm. were visual and women weren't and that was why you know we have to dress up and cover ourselves because they're going to see us and immediately lust after us and so i it wasn't until i was like a young adult that i realized oh there's plenty of women out there that have struggled with porn and things like that and i was like oh i thought that was just like a weird sex addiction or sex addiction problem that like very few women ever encounter or whatever but it's actually i mean i just want to say this it's it happens a lot and so if you're out there struggling with that or dealing with that like don't feel alone and there's Mm -hmm. actually probably a lot more women around you that have that issue than you realize Mm -hmm. and it's on the rise yeah it it Mm -hmm. really is um because it does it it makes you feel good in the moment Mm -hmm. and so your body gets this rush of hormones and when things aren't going well at least you know you've got one thing mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't make it necessarily okay but it's uh, okay what is the real root to the problem to mm-hmm. the struggle because some people don't see it as an issue mm-hmm. and you know where where is your heart motivation what is what's your why and then own it mm-hmm. because th- that's ultimately with all of sexuality, all of what I do, I try never to have the 
right and wrong, the good, the bad. It's very fluid, and there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Like what would work for you wouldn't work for you, and or for me, or and and so it's each person has their own journey and their own process to discovering themselves, yeah. and being okay with messes is huge. Mm-hmm. Like in a relationship. We, we all make messes, and messes aren't always bad. Like, you spring clean, you make a bigger mess, but afterwards, mm. things are purged, and you actually have the space mm-hmm. that you want and love, but it never made the mess bad. Mm. And so so looking at it in, in a way that, okay, we're always growing, we're always moving forward, and we get to, okay, this was helpful, this wasn't. And being okay with that instead of, well, I said this and now I'm stuck here. Mm -hmm. You are never stuck and you always have an option. Yeah, I think that's a really amazing message that, you know, so many women need, so many men need, um, especially within the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Rebecca, (laughs) we're coming to the end here. Um, We really appreciate you sharing all about sex and Um, relationships and intimacy uh, the one thing that we still need to know from you is what does the phrase woman being mean to you it's an Mm open-ended question we ask all of our guests and we want to know okay so (laughs) my I was actually pondering this this morning I was like what do I want to (laughs) say so I was laying in bed and I was thinking that there's just this woman that's fully encased in her and she's just there like fully present fully being like Mm -hmm. there's no there's no hiding there's nothing blocking her there's no like cockiness it's just this confidence I'm just there and you know it, it was a prominent she's prominent but not like abrasive like you notice her but she's not intimidating, mm. but she stands out. So that's ultimately what woman being is to I me. That. <laughs> I feel like that there's so much um, holding uh, opposite things in the same hands mm-hmm. that I feel like are a part of womanhood. Um, and I feel like that really beautifully encapsulates that idea mm-hmm. of the tension and the balance that we can carry. Um, so, Rebecca... Do you have any resources or any um, any things that you would recommend uh, to our woman beings out there? And also, how can they find you? What are your plugs? How are they gonna How are they gonna know about you? Because everyone's gonna want to know <laughs> after listening to this. Great. <laughs> um, so, books: "Gain mm. the Love You Want" by Harville Hendricks, and it's not about sex, but has everything to do with it because if you aren't getting along or understanding or constantly triggered by your spouse or partner, you're not going to want to have sex anyway. So deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you want a how-to book, I really enjoyed The Joy of Sex. It has pictures, it is graphic, but it feels clean. Like it doesn't make you feel slimed. Like some books can. Um, And then if you need a lube, go on Amazon and get fractioned coconut oil in the pump bottles. 
Wow. They are so handy. Just put on your bedside stand, and it's a pump, and it's perfect. I should probably do that. Do you have a favorite vibrator? Oh, I sure do. Which one? (laughs) I don't know. Which one? You tell me. You you tell us. I honestly don't know the names of them. I I have them. I can send you a link for a couple. Yeah, sure. Please do, actually. (laughs) I'm always looking to add to my collection. one of them you have to at least try three times. Because it is a little intense, but it's very fun. But give it time; okay. takes practice. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then, how can the people oh. find you? You can find me on my website is rjlcoaching.com or Instagram and Facebook RJL Coaching. All right. And also, um, we know that uh, for the Reading, California locals. Your husband owns a business here that many people have probably heard of. You want to plug that. He owns Theory. We are co-owners, and we are opening shop number two right on Hilltop, three doors down from Sprouts. Nice. Nice. It looks real nice over there. Yeah, it's going to be next to Chick-fil-A. It's going to be next to Sprouts. If you don't know, Theory is an amazing coffee shop. And probably it's my favorite in Reading. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it definitely is. So, Rebecca, thank you again for talking with us. Thank you you for all your amazing wisdom and input and knowledge Mm -hmm. um, about sex and everything that comes along with it. Uh, We love that you are working towards... Uh, destigmatizing it some, um, and especially being a voice within uh, the Christian world. I think that's really amazing and important and needed. Um, Woman beings, we would love to hear what you thought of this episode uh, by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, You can also talk to us about it on Instagram at womanbeingpodcast. And we have our website, womanbeingcommunity.com, where you can also listen to any of our podcast episodes, or you can check us out on YouTube. We have all the things. So we want to talk to you and hear what you thought. Um, Do you feel like you have a whole new perspective on sex now after listening (laughs) to this episode? Um, We want to know. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Bye.